need you to pour your spirit out, the likeness of God, the goodness of God in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Now you may standing. I'll read the Lord's word. <clears throat> read out of Matthew 5, uh, 1 through 10. <clears throat> now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This is the word of the Lord. You may have a seat. Good morning, everybody. Well, for those of you who I don't know, my name's Aubrey. Um, I'm on staff here at Celebrate. Have been for about 15 years. Um, married to Russ for, gosh, almost 20 years. We have four kids that are kind of cool. Um, we like them a little bit. They are amazing, and we love them. Um, and I get to come up here and share with you guys every once in a while. So thank you for this opportunity. Thanks for letting me share my heart. Um, for this week as we continue in our series called Blessed. We are looking at the Beatitudes that we find in Matthew chapter 5. Um, and these words from Jesus are um, at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, which is one of Jesus' most famous teachings. Um, and as we've been hearing about these Beatitudes, one each week, we've been seeing how this message from Jesus is really countercultural. It really was for the people back in that day, the people that he was talking to, and it really is for us today as well. He's saying that um, blessed are the poor in spirit and the meek and those who mourn, um, those who are hunger, hungry and thirsty for righteousness. It just seems completely upside down to us that those would be things that we would consider blessed. That's why our um, imagery is upside down. That's not an accident. Um, so he was just, Jesus was taking everything that they knew, everything that we know, and turning it upside down. And this particular section of his teaching, the Beatitudes, um, it's not a multiple choice. It's Because it's a list, it's not something that we can just kind of pick and choose from. Like, well, I like number three, and I think I could handle number five, but I cannot do number one. We just can't do that. I think we have to look at it as a whole, and I think what we're going to start seeing now, beginning with this week, is that these kind of tie together a little bit, and we're going to talk about that a little bit more as we go on this morning, but each of these Beatitudes is telling us that these are ways that we can be blessed, right? So what does blessed mean in this context? And we've We've been talking about this a little bit on different weeks, but the people who study words and language and original text tell us that blessed in this case is like happy. So happy are the poor in spirit, happy are those who mourn, happy are those who are meek, and it just, it doesn't seem right. Um, and I don't think this is happiness that we would think of from a worldly point of view. So if we are poor in spirit, if we are mourning, we're not going to be happy by the world's standards, I don't think, with prosperity and um, popularity, those kinds of things. I think what Jesus is saying is 
we are going to be able to have supernatural joy and peace in the midst of these things, in the midst of these hard things. Um, and I know just in my own life personally, when I've been going through a hard time or a hard season, I have found myself, especially the last few years, praying for two main things. And it's not that God would take the bad thing away or that he would stop the bad thing from happening. In fact, I've, I've found myself praying in the last year or so, I actually thank him for the hard thing. Whatever it is I'm going through, I've learned that when we, when we get in that posture of thanksgiving and we start trusting him for whatever that hard thing is, something happens. Um, and, it, and it works. But um, the two things that I find myself praying for the last few, few years are his joy and his peace. Because I think we can handle a lot of hard things if we are sitting in a place where we have supernatural joy and peace. We can't get those for ourselves. But when he's there with us and he's giving us those things, we're able to walk through things that are pretty hard. So these Beatitudes are teaching us that we have to be willing to do things that are upside down. Um, we have to be willing to give when other people are taking, love when other people are hating, um, helping when other people are abusing, and we have to be willing to say and do things that might seem upside down to the rest of the world. And that's not easy. It's not easy to go against the majority. So um, today we're looking at the fifth beatitude, which we're going to pop up here on the screen for you. This is Matthew 5. It's verse 7, which is, Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. So I have a question. By show of hands, how many of you have ever screwed up? <laughs> oh, good. You are all screw-ups. So this is going to be good. We are going to learn together this morning. What do we want when we screw up? Help? Yeah, what else? I think I heard somebody whisper it. You're not confident, so just yell it out. What do we want when we screw up? Forgiveness? Mercy, yes. We want mercy, right? So what is mercy? Um, I think we can sometimes often miss the true definition of mercy. I can, at least. I often confuse it with grace. Um, we can miss it when it's right in front of us. We can ask God for mercy and then miss it when he's giving it to us. I read this story as I was preparing about this guy who was um, driving in a downtown like metropolis area, really busy traffic, and he was late for a meeting for work. And he couldn't find a parking space. So he threw up one of those mercy prayers. Like, God, have mercy on me. If you would find me a parking spot, I will go to church every Sunday for the rest of my life. And I will quit drinking. And he's driving along and he sees a spot. And he's like, oh, never mind, God, I found one. Like, what? He kind of completely missed the mercy that God just gave him, right? So this is where I think we see the Beatitudes kind of tying together a little bit. So... I think mercy is a product of the first four that we've already talked about. And Jed mentioned this when he talked on week one, when he did Poor in Spirit. He suggested that there might be an intentionality to the order of the Beatitudes and that there might be a reason that Poor in Spirit was first. So as we are humble and we recognize our need for Jesus, as we are broken and mourn over our sin, as we learn to wait and trust in the Lord with our, our meekness, and as we hunger and thirst for righteousness, I think we naturally become more merciful. It just kind of starts to happen because as we strive after those first four, we start to become more like God. We, our character starts to become more like his character, and God is mercy. That's just who he is. So that will just naturally start happening for us. 
And blessed are the merciful is also the first one of the Beatitudes. It's actually more outward focused. So the first four are more kind of focused on our relationship with the Lord. This one is the first one where we're looking at our fellow man and offering something toward our fellow man. Um, And as I said before, when I think of mercy, I sometimes confuse it with grace or I use them interchangeably. And I really shouldn't do that because they're very different. Different, excuse me. Um, In the dictionary, grace is defined as courteous goodwill, which means it's not deserved, it's not asked for, it's a gift. But mercy, on the other hand, is compassion and kindness shown to someone whom it's in one's power to punish or harm. So you've been hurt, right? Probably unjustly. Mercy comes into play when we have the power to hurt them back. And all of a sudden, we're in this moment where we have to make a choice. We can either hurt them back or we can forgive, even though they don't deserve it. And everyone around us is probably saying, you're within your rights to be upset and retaliate. So I want to throw three definitions up here for you to make it really simple so we can kind of see the difference because I I was struggling as I was trying to sort this out, so I hope this helps. The first one is justice. So justice is you get what you deserve, right? Mercy is you don't get what you deserve. And grace is you get what you don't deserve. So it's a gift. And I think if we think about this, try to put it in the context of our lives today, let's imagine that you're driving and you get pulled over by a police officer, okay? So you're driving, you see the lights in your rearview mirror. What is the first thing that you look at? Speedometer, right? You are going 10 over, okay? So one of three things is gonna happen when you pull over. That cop's gonna give you justice, he's gonna give you mercy, or he might, probably not as likely, but he might give you grace. So if he was going to give you justice, where you get what you deserve, what are you gonna get? A ticket, right. If he gives you mercy, which means you're not getting what you deserve, what are you gonna get? Warning, right, no ticket. What about grace? So grace would be, not only do you not get a ticket, he gives you his donut, right? (laughs) So, I was taking my daughter, Kate, I'm gonna call her out today, I was taking Kate to work yesterday, and she and I were talking about the difference between mercy, justice, and grace. And I told her this story about the police officer, and she was tracking with me, and I got to the part about the donut, and this was her face. She was like, Mom. And she just shook her head. I'm like, what? I said, doesn't that help you understand, like, the difference between mercy, grace? And she's like, Mom. And then it, like, hit her. She goes, you are not going to say that in your message tomorrow. (laughs) And I said, yeah, now I totally am going to tell that story. Thanks. And I can tell jokes like this because my brother's a cop and he's not here, so (laughs) it's fine. So all of the cops out there this morning, I'm sorry. I know you guys don't eat donuts all the time. I know that if anybody does. So the concept of mercy is most understandable when we realize we treat people better than they deserve, right? We've all been hurt. We've all been betrayed. And extending mercy would be forgiving somebody when society says we should seek revenge. Um or even when we're within our rights to seek revenge. It is really easy to demand our rights and focus on judgment and justice and punishment when we've been hurt or when someone we love has been hurt. Um, But the Bible teaches us the complete opposite, which is what we're going to look at here in a little bit. And I also want to suggest this morning that mercy is more than just a feeling, that we actually have to act with it. Um, And I... 
I think that it actually can only happen if we act, because otherwise it's just us giving sympathy to somebody, right? Um, and Jesus didn't do that. He acted for people. He gave forgiveness. He showed compassion. He healed. He was kind. He poured out empathy. Um, he modeled generosity over and over again. So I think for today, we can look at mercy from two different viewpoints. Um, we're going to put these up here. The first one, mercy can be having compassion for an offender and involve forgiveness. So it can be that side of mercy where somebody has hurt us and we are making the choice to forgive. And the other way that we could look at it is that it involves having compassion for those who are in need or hurting. So someone is suffering. They haven't done anything to us, but they're hurting, and we can offer mercy. So those are the two different ways we're going to look at it. Um, I think one of the best examples of this second one, having compassion for those in need, is the story of the Good Samaritan. And we don't have time to read through it this morning, so I'm just going to kind of paraphrase the story because I think most of us know this one. Um, But we have a Jewish man who's walking along a road, He is attacked by robbers. He is stripped, left for dead on the side of the road. And the first person that comes along, um, the Bible says, is a priest, so a pastor, like a pastor Andrew, right, walking along, and he just crosses over to the other side and walks right past the guy. The second person, the Bible says, is a Levite. So this would be like an associate pastor, so like a pastor Judd, right, comes upon the man, crosses over to the other side, and walks right past him. And I want to stop there for a second because, first of all, I don't want to suggest that either one of those guys would ever walk by somebody who is in need. That's just not their nature. Both of them would stop. But I think Jesus has a purpose for using those two characters in this story. And I think it is to show us that none of us are immune to missing out on opportunities for mercy. I think Jesus is saying we get caught up in our religious duty, going to church every Sunday, writing our tithe check, praying every once in a while, opening our Bible every once in a while, but we're missing that. So we're we're following the rules, kind of, but we're missing the part about looking for mercy, ways that we can be merciful. And even those that work at a church are are, are not immune to that. We can miss those opportunities just like anyone else. And I think that's why he used these people. Um, But the third person that comes by is a Samaritan. So Samaritans and Jews hated each other. They were known enemies, but the Samaritan was the one that acted differently. And I want to read verses um, 33 and 34 because I think it's so beautiful what happened and what the Samaritan did. So this is Luke chapter 10, verses 33 and 34. But the Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, took him to an inn, and took care of him. So I think we see that mercy, just in these two verses, I think we see that mercy is four things. The first one is that mercy sees distress, right? Verse 33 says, he saw him. The other two men just walked on by, but the Samaritans saw him. Second one, mercy responds internally with a heart of compassion or pity for the person in distress, Verse 33 goes on to say, he took pity on him. So not only did he see him, he took pity. He felt compassion. Number three is mercy responds externally with an effort to relieve the distress. So it acts. It physically does something. He bandaged his wounds, he brought him to the inn, and he took care of him. And the fourth one, I think, is so key to the definition of mercy. It acts when the person in distress is an enemy. 
So eyes to see distress, a heart of compassion, an effort to help you are actually taking action and doing something in spite of enmity. So in spite of the fact that it's your enemy, you're acting anyways. I think that's the heart of mercy. So if we think of this in a biblical definition, I think we could say that we are actually stepping into another person's skin to feel what they are feeling and to take on what they're feeling. Um, We're looking past who they are, what they might have done, how they might have hurt us, what we think they might deserve, and we're acting anyway. We're giving mercy anyways. And when we think about this, this is exactly what God did for us. When he came to earth, took on our skin, that's what he was doing. He was feeling what we are feeling. So I think it makes sense that Jesus who is God in human form, um, he would have taught about mercy. He would have given mercy. And so that's where I want to go next. I've got um, just a couple of stories that I want to share from the word so that we can see how Jesus taught about mercy and how he acted mercy out. So the first one, we're not going to read all these passages because we just don't have time this morning, but the first one comes from Matthew 9. Um, And this is the calling of the disciple Matthew. So Jesus has... Um, called Matthew and said, hey, come follow me. Matthew said, yes. And he goes to have dinner at Matthew's house that night. And the Bible says other tax collectors and sinners. The Bible actually puts sinners in quotes, which I think is funny because I think it's making fun a little bit of we're all sinners, right? These weren't sinners specifically. So um, they were joining him. So the Pharisees, the religious leaders saw this and they asked Jesus, why? Why are you eating with these people? And this is what Jesus says. It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have come to call the righteous, not to call the righteous, but the sinners. So Jesus was quoting actually from the Old Testament, the book of Hosea uh, 6.6, which says, um, God says, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. And I think he did that because he knew the Pharisees would know that. They would have known that um, particular verse from the Old Testament just because they knew those things. They knew the word. Um, Jesus doesn't want us to just perform religious duties and follow the rules. Those are good things, but when we are in bondage to those and that's all we're focused on, we miss the opportunity to look for mercy, and that's not what he wants. So that's the first one. The second one is in Matthew 18. This is when Peter is asking Jesus, how many times should I forgive someone? And Jesus shares the story of a servant who owed money to his master or to a king. And the Bible said he owned 10,000 talents. So this would have been like millions of dollars, right? And he wasn't able to pay. So the king ordered that the man, his wife, and their kids all be sold. And the man fell to his knees and just begged for mercy and said, I will pay it back. Just give me more time. And the master had mercy on him. He felt pity. And not only did he give him more time, he just canceled the debt. He said, you just go. You don't, you don't owe me anything. So the servant leaves, and he's walking along the road, and he comes across a fellow servant. And that servant owes him money. He owes him about 100 denarii, which would have been like a few bucks in that day. Um, he demanded the money back from the other guy, and the servant didn't have it. So much like he had just done, the servant falls to his knees and says, please, just give me some more time. I will get you this money. And the man refused. He had him thrown in jail till he could pay back what he owed. So the other people are seeing this, and they go and they tattle to the master and say, this is what just happened. And he's furious. And the master scolds him and says, how could you do that? I just offered you mercy. And then you turned around and did this to your fellow fellow man. So 
Jesus is telling us when we have been given such great mercy, which haven't we been given such great mercy, he wants us to share that with other people as well. He wants us to be willing to offer it and to be ready to see it. And then this last one's my favorite. This is Luke 10, and we hear about the blind man Bartimaeus. So Jesus is passing through Jericho during this story. He's on his way to Jerusalem. He's in his final time doing ministry on earth. Um, So he's walking into his death, basically. He's walking toward the end. I would think he would have been a little preoccupied. Maybe not, because it's Jesus, but I just think of my own self. I would have just had so much going through my head. What was coming, um, what he knew was going to be happening to him. And he walks into this, he's walking into this town. And Bartimaeus is blind. He's on the side of the road and he's begging. And he hears just from the chatter that's going on around that this is Jesus coming into town. And so he just yells, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And everybody, you know, is like, shh, be quiet, quiet. This is Jesus coming. And they're trying to shush him. So if you picture this scene of, like all of us, just gathered, right? And we know Jesus is coming. So there's excitement and there's chatter and there's talking and there's adults and kids and animals and there's just got to be a ton of noise going on. And then we've got Jesus who's probably in his own head a little bit trying to think through what's happening to him in the coming days. And the Bible says he hears that man. He heard him among all the noise, all the chatter. Um, And the Bible says he stopped. So he was on his way somewhere. He was going somewhere with intention. He wasn't planning to stop here in this town. He was going, and he was interrupted. And, man, this got me as a mom because with four kids, love them to pieces. But I am continually being interrupted. Um, My plans, my, yeah, my desires for any moment of the day are constantly being interrupted. Um, And I think why I'm convicted is because I don't respond to them every time the way Jesus does in this story. Um, And I think about how many times in his three years of ministry was he interrupted? Was he sidetracked? Did something happen that wasn't according to plan? And he just went with it. And I think, man, I would have been so frustrated. I get so frustrated. And that's Yeah, how many times am I too busy to stop and actually see the needs of somebody else around me? Um, Too distracted in my own head and what I'm thinking about and what's important to me to actually see somebody in front of me who might need my mercy. Um, The Bible says immediately he received his sight um, because this is what he wanted. Jesus asked him, he said, so what do you want? And the man just said, I just want to see. And the Bible says he immediately received his sight and he followed Jesus along the road. So this blind baker who was on the side of the road begging, who everybody is telling to be quiet and shush, is now eyes opened and he's with Jesus on the road. So he's not even on the side of the road anymore. He's on the road with Jesus. So we see how Jesus lived out and taught the importance of being merciful. Um, We see how he questioned religious leaders and um, how they were so strict about following rules. Um, so where religion was putting rules above people, Jesus was saying, no, mercy above rules. Um, when religion was easily offended and angered, mercy was not. So I've been asking myself, in our humanness, what's our response when we have the opportunity to show mercy? When we're busy, when we're angry with the person, 
um, when we're hurt, when we're tired. And I think if we're honest with ourselves, if I'm honest with myself, I say I can't a lot. I can't do that. Sometimes we have an internal dialogue like, well, you don't know what she did to me. Or you don't know what he said to me. Or you don't know how I've been hurt over and over and over again. And I, I just can't forgive this. Um, or I have enough on my plate. How am I supposed to help somebody else? Have you ever said that? So we say, I can't. And the Bible tells us we can do all things through him who gives us strength, right? So it's not that we can't give mercy. It's that we won't. And I think we need to be honest with ourselves when we face these situations. And instead of saying, I can't, we need to say, I won't, because that's the truth. We just won't do it. So the opposite of I won't, if we're not going to say I won't to mercy, is to say I will, right? I'm willing, Lord. I'm, I'm willing to give mercy and show mercy. So I want to share just two quick stories. These are real life stories of people who said, yes, I will. I will offer mercy. Um, the first one is Corey Tenboom, who you probably know. She survived the Nazi concentration camps. Her family helped hide people during that time. And in 1947, she gave a message, a, a sermon, on mercy and forgiveness at a church in Munich. And after the message, a man came up to her and asked for her forgiveness. Um, he was a Nazi soldier. And he didn't remember her, but she remembered him. She says she remembered him very clearly. Um, she remembered what he did to her. She remembered what he did to the people around her. And so he stood there and he held his hand out to shake her hand. And I want to quote something that she said when she wrote about this. She said, it could not have been many seconds that he stood there, his hand held out. But to me, it seemed like hours as I wrestled with the most difficult thing I had ever had to do. And so woodenly and mechanically, I thrust my hand into the one stretched out to me. So she shakes his hand, and then she describes how she felt immediately a current that started in her shoulder and worked all the way down her arm until it was in their hands as they were holding their hands together. And she said, then this healing warmth seemed to flood my whole being, bringing tears to my eyes, and she cried, I forgive you, brother, with my whole heart. And for a long moment, we grasped each other's hands, the former guard and the former prisoner. She said she had never known God's love so intensely as she did in that moment when she offered mercy. And the other story is more recent. You probably remember this. It was all over the news. Um, in 2006, when a gunman walked into an Amish schoolhouse and he um, shot 10 girls, killing five of them. Um, on the same day of that shooting, a grandpa of one of the girls who had died told the other relatives, we can't think evil about this man. Another member of the Amish, Amish community went to the man's house that day to offer forgiveness and comfort to his wife and his kids. Dozens more attended his funeral and offered to financially support the widow. One member of the community later said, I don't think there's anybody here that wants to do anything but forgive and not only reach out to the people who have suffered a loss in their daughters, but reach out to the family of the man who committed these acts. And I read these stories and I think, how? 
I cannot even wrap my brain around this. And I think it has to be supernatural help. God had to be helping them extend mercy because I can't imagine doing that. I, I would like to think that with my faith and knowing God the way that I do, that someday I would be able to bring myself to forgive someone that hurt one of my kids. I would like to think that. But on the same day, I just, I don't think I could do that. Um, so as I've been sitting with this, I've been thinking, they must have received mercy in such a way from the Father at some point in their life that they are able to extend it in these times when it just seems impossible. So that's the other aspect of mercy I want to touch on before we close. Um, I think it's one that's often difficult for many of us, and that's receiving mercy. I think often we can't understand it, and we definitely can't give it until we've experienced it. Um, Mercy often comes from a heart that's been broken. Um, So how do we take our brokenness and use it as an opportunity to express mercy toward other people? I think first we have to recognize those places where we're broken, um, and then use that low place, that undesirable place, and use it for good. Take it and use that to offer mercy to someone else. Many of you know, because I've talked with many of you about it, I've talked about it up here. For years, I suffered with what was pretty debilitating anxiety. Um, It started after my first daughter was born, so I don't know if it was a hormonal shift in my body or what, but um, for a lot of years, I suffered with panic and just insecurity. And as I look back, those moments when that would ramp up, it wasn't a constant thing, but when it would ramp up, those were some of the darkest moments probably in my life. Um, but God was merciful, and he was patient. And even when I was doubting him and doubting his faithfulness and doubting his goodness, he was there, and he gave me mercy. Um, and since then, through the years, I've met so many people who battle with this. Um, and when they share their stories with me, I can physically feel it. And I, I know that's hard to explain, but they're telling me their story, and I am physically feeling what they're feeling. Um, So I would find myself praying for people all the time, people I didn't even know, and just crying for these people and asking God to forgive them. I think from the mercy that I felt from him, I was then feeling toward these other people. So when you've gone through something difficult, this can be anything, um, and many of you may know this, it gives you compassion for other people in that same area that you may not have had before you actually went through it. So I encourage you this week to look at your own stories. Look at where you've struggled, where God has shown you mercy. Maybe that's a place where he's calling you um, to uniquely give mercy in those kinds of situations. And I think we're seeing this now a little bit in the Olympics, um, specifically with Simone Biles' story. If you're not watching the Olympics, why? (laughs) I mean, I don't know why you wouldn't be. But if you're not watching, she's the gymnast superstar who backed out of the competition, um, just, she said, due to mental health reasons. Um, And it kind of rocked the sports world. It went all over the news. They kind of talked about it all the time. And there were some pretty loud voices on either side. Um, One side was pretty angry with her, saying that she quit. Um, She let down her team. She let down the U.S. And then the other side of it was coming at it from praising her for being brave, for knowing her own body, knowing when to step away, um, and advocating for that mental health, kind of bringing attention and bringing light to it. Um, and I'm, I'm not up here to argue which side is right or wrong, but I will say that I think the people who are advocating for her and mental health, I would put money on the fact that they've suffered through it. 
or they know somebody really, really close. You almost have to be really close to somebody who's going through it to just kind of understand it a little bit. Um, if you've never experienced anything to do with mental health, you really have no idea what it's like, and it's so easy to fall into judgment and, um, yeah, impatience in those kinds of situations. So I think the other part of mercy that is hard, to, uh, is hard for us to receive it is that we are told lies from the enemy all the time that whispers, you're not worthy. Um, you can't be forgiven. You don't deserve mercy. And friends, that is where I think this, in this book, the truth that every time someone cried out and said, Jesus, have mercy on me, he did. Every single time. Um, he didn't look away. He wasn't too busy. Um, he didn't ignore that cry. He doesn't ignore our cry. If you cry out, Jesus, have mercy on me, he's going to. He's going to act um, because that's who he is and that's who our father is. So we're going to close a little differently this morning. Um, as I've been preparing for this the last couple of weeks, I've had a sense that the Lord really wants to do some work in the area of mercy. Um, I think for some of us, that's just being able to accept mercy and forgiveness for something we've done um, that we aren't unworthy, we're not invisible in his eyes, um, we haven't done anything that he won't cover. And I think for others of us, you're sitting here this morning and someone, if I said, do you struggle with forgiveness with somebody, you have somebody that comes to mind instantly, a situation or person that you have never been able to forgive. Um, maybe it's a family member, maybe it's a friend or a painful situation. Um, but maybe today God is whispering a little bit and just saying, it's time for you. It's time to forgive. So whatever your situation is, I don't know. Um, but I'm just praying that you'll be open to it this morning. Um, don't push it to the side. Remember Corey Ten Boom and how she did not want to stick out her hand and shake that man's hand. But when she did, God was able to just pour through her and she physically felt it. She felt the warmth. She felt the forgiveness in his presence. So we are going to have some prayer stations this morning, um, even before we close the service, um, where we are just going to have the opportunity for you to receive prayer. Um, Matt is going to come up, and he's going to just play a little bit. We're going we're to offer like five to ten minutes of time for you just to receive prayer. We're going to have some prayer stations set up, I believe, in these two front corners and then one in the back. Um, and just during this time, if you're feeling led to receive prayer, I encourage you to do it. Um, we've got six people who are going to be praying. And if we have enough people that need prayer, they're going to split up. Um, these six people are amazing and wonderful prayer warriors. So um, don't let the enemy whisper in your ear that you're not worthy to be prayed for this morning or that you're not willing, you're not worthy to receive his mercy. So I'm going to pray. I'm going to let them get set in their stations. And then, yeah. Like I said, go get prayer, please, this morning. Um, whether that's mercy to receive for yourself or in a situation where you need God's help to give mercy to somebody else. So let me pray, and then we'll start up these stations. So, Father, um, I am so thankful that you are a merciful God. that you love us so much that you were willing to come here to figure out how we feel um, and what we go through and what we experience and that you want us to feel that love from you, God. So I pray that our hearts would be open this morning, God, and if we are feeling a tug 
to receive prayer, God, that you would give us the courage to stand up and walk over to a station and receive prayer this morning. I pray that you would speak through these prayer ministers. God, would we hear from you this morning? There is nothing too big, nothing we've done that you won't cover, and we thank you for that, Father. Praise in Jesus' name. Amen.
Well, we are going to have these prayer ministers stay out and continue praying as we close the service. Um, I love Romans chapter 12. Um, it's instructions on how we're called to be merciful Christians. I love the whole chapter. Um, but I often skip over verse 1 because I'm so anxious to get to verse 2 because it's one of my favorites. But I want to read verse 1 together this morning. It says, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. So what Paul is saying is in view of God's mercy for us, we are to worship. Before we can offer mercy, we need to worship. Um, our eyes need to be so fixed on the Father that his nature, his mercy nature starts to become our nature. I think when we become a worshipful people, God can turn us into a merciful people. So we, we are going to close with one song this morning um, just to really worship our Father together. So um, I encourage you just to, to give it all to the Lord this morning as we worship. Um, don't worry about what anybody else around you is doing. If you want to raise your hands, raise your hands. If you want to dance, dance. If you want to get on your knees, get on your knees. But let's just really worship our Father together this morning so that as we go out this week, uh, we are ready and we are prepared to offer mercy uh, every day this week. So would you stand?